Hey, and welcome to the Heuristics Podcast. This is Kobe Benmerch. I want to start by wishing my Jewish friends a Shana Tova. It's always lovely to be around family on the holidays. Uh, to know that you're participating in memories that will shape the lives of those closest to you, um, especially my kids. Which is why today's episode has some extra resonance for me. My guest is Yoav Reisler, an Israeli man whose two mothers were the first lesbian couple to have biological children. He doesn't know the man whose genes run through him, and we talk at length about what that's been like. It's a mode of being that is somewhat foreign to me. I mean, nearly all of us know our fathers, so we tend to take that for granted. But after this conversation, I, I can't say that I do that anymore. Um, Yoav is very brave for talking to me about this, and I do hope this will be of some use for gay parents. Um, straight couples have had what, millennia to talk about how best to raise kids, and it's easy to forget that the conversation for gay parents is only a few decades old. Uh, thanks to re relatively recent technological developments. In any event, here's our conversation. Man, before we start, give me your cell phone. Oh, okay. <laughs> I own you for the next few, uh, at least two hours or so. So, I got this as a gift. Um, <laughs> I got this as a gift, this little box from someone in, um, I'm just in Amsterdam. Oh. Like, in August. That's cool. And they listened to the first episode or whatever, and uh, or I don't know how much of it. And it was about our relationships with smartphones. Um, so uh, it was a really touching gift. Um, it was sort of like being put in the middle of the table. And then you, you, you know what? I'm going to put it on the floor. So that way, like, if it starts buzzing, then <laughs> you won't freak out. <coughs> Are you nervous without your cell phone? <laughs> Do you <laughs> feel it? <laughs> what the hell, man? We can't. We can't. Yeah, we can't live without it. Um, how uh, how are you, man? I'm good. Um, I haven't seen you in how long? Since what? Since we were on that trip, right? In uh, in the north. Yeah, I think like uh, that was what March. I looked. I lost. You lost track of time. Yeah. <laughs> I actually don't even know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, when was the last time that happened to you? I I know it's Sunday, but I don't know what day of the month it is. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's been like more than six months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been more than six months. Anyway, um, oh, listen, I did, I did actually, I actually wanted to get your opinion on something because I don't know if you can hear in my voice that uh, it's a little hoarse, and I don't have COVID, oh. right, which is sort of number one. But I have these seasonal seasonal allergies that every time the weather changes just a little bit. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm fucked, you know. I just like every other American has. Oh, I see. Are you calling us all week? Is that 330 <laughs> week people? Um, 330 million. No. Uh, so it's just very annoying, you know. It's just it's just coughing and sneezing and runny eyes, runny nose. Like that's it. Like it's 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 a cold that's too lazy, you know. Mm. Um, but I don't have COVID. I don't hear it in, in your voice. Ah, okay, good. Yeah. I I actually noticed it this morning that I was kind of hoarse, but. <coughs> Aha. Just to prove my point. Um, but 
I was talking about this with my cousin a couple of, uh, two nights ago, mm -hmm. and um, like what what are the norms about this now? Like we went through this crazy two years. Maybe you know, some people are still going through it, and mm -hmm. then the government just all of a sudden says. We, we're out of telling you what to do when when it comes to COVID. Yeah. Um, so now it's up to us to sort of decide what's what's polite and what isn't. Yeah. And so the the discussion I was having with my cousin, I, I was more sort of on the let people just do whatever they want, and and he was sort of like, no, actually, if if the example he gave was, I think it's it's useful to ground this in examples. Let's say my son comes home with COVID mm -hmm. and I obviously I live in the same house as him and we have this uh we have this podcast schedule would I call you and say hey you have my son has COVID like so so and we came up with essentially three different um options to proceed from at that point which was one was um I could just do nothing right you could just not say anything and pretend as if that's the case. Like, assuming I'm not, you know, have snot all over my face and coughing like crazy, yeah. not totally gross, right? But if it's like asymptomatic, just show up, right? Uh, the second option is I can call you and discuss it, right? Hey, listen, my son has this. What do you think about and how are you feeling and what do you blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And then the third option is I take the decision us and say look i'm postponing let's let's do it another time what do you like what would you do in that situation i think i would go either for the second option or for the third one i think i got few incidences that i behaved like the first option mm. of just like not telling the person what i did and what made me like this I don't know like the second guessing my decision for what I'm doing now and how it could impact your your well-being so for example I had a, a a meeting with a therapist I think like just in the beginning of uh, COVID yeah and it was just like the time that everyone were so panicked about it right and I went to this meeting without telling the therapist that I got exposed yesterday to someone who had COVID. So I think it really taught me the lesson after I spoke with the therapist, like after she knew that I had exposed to someone um, and she was kind of like mad or disappointed by the decision that I made. So but that was, that was at the height of, that was at the height of the panic. Yeah. Right. And we know, like, and, and, and people can be forgiven for reacting whichever which way they were reacting at that moment. Because who knew, right? Like, it was really scary, right? Yeah. But now, you know, the, the virus is, is milder, obviously, and, um, and we have ways of treating this thing. And, and it, it, just, it just very much resembles, like, a flu, which, if you just think about life before COVID, People treated the flu. Yeah, they didn't freak out about it, right? They didn't have all these considerations. Mm -hmm. And for me, you know, I, I'm also like you. I'm I'm between that second and third option, right? 
but I, I favor more um, the honesty of the first option. What do you mean? Like just showing up? Yeah. Just like being true to yourself without. Yeah, no, th there is something of, of like a punt in terms of if I call you and say, hey, man, what do you think? It, there's something coward, cowardly about it, right? Of like, I'm putting the decision in in your hands or in my in both of our hands. I, I'm not I'm not quite sure exactly, but there, there's there's a there's a sense of cowardice mm -hmm. in that move, and I resent also, I suppose the like the what's actually going on, right? Is is you and I are having a, a conversation and we're sitting in a room and like it's, I've been looking forward to this for a while just to catch up with you and what's so there's that's one way of looking at it right and then another way of looking at it is like that i'm in a room with you but i'm i'm i might potentially get you sick and you might get someone else sick and and someone somewhere down the line will get will, will die right yeah. and that's the lens that this is viewed through yeah. and i it just it just seems so extreme you know i don't know if you if you disagree here it does um I don't like the responsibility that you have for other people is something that is really being emphasized by the, the corona and yeah. stuff like that. So, like, your decisions could really have impact on someone's well-being, yep. someone's life afterwards. Um, but the thing is that we were living in that world even before COVID, right? Our, our, our action still matters, right? Whatever we did. Yeah. Like we have social circles. The things we said, the things we did, like it impacts the people's, those people's lives, and then you know, the circle just sort of keeps broadening out outwards, right? And then we're all just sort of one family, if you think about it. But yeah. So what what's changed, I think, and you can tell me if you disagree, is is that perception of risk, right? That something that is as deadly as the flu, and you know, is it is it 0.5 percent? Uh, mortality rate is it you know, 0.8 is it 0.3 I have no idea right but in terms of, as viruses go it's pretty it's very it's cl much closer to the flu than it is to other far more deadlier diseases out there yeah. and so what w why should we behave differently than we did before you know like for, I don't know like did your moms yeah. when you were sick right and you were going to school did your mom send you to school um because my parents send my ass to school like if i <laughs> if i had a fever if i was puking that was the threshold but sometimes even if i have a no no, no fever no but yeah i would i would go to school with a cold you know yeah. now imagine doing that like you know people parents would get really really upset you know and i don't I, i'm not exactly sure how i think about that but i do tend to lean in a in a direction of like come on guys like this is this is going too far you know I think like my mom's, um, I was a, kind of like a very healthy boy and like didn't get sick a lot. So I don't really remember the times that they sent me to school sick or something. Um, Do you ever remember being in school sick? Um, not really. Not really. <laughs> okay. I feel like I was always like um, behaving like everything was good. Um, mm. So... I didn't show like any symptoms of being sick or, or something. Okay. So um, you could have been sick, but yeah, maybe I just like hit it. Um, Whoa. Like 
How do you hide a cold? Um, I don't know. I think it's it's a skill. Um, I don't know. Either I I was really healthy and not like showing any symptoms, or I don't know. I I just don't remember myself as being sick and, wow. and going to school. Okay. Um, yeah, but um. Anyway, um, so I guess you and you we we more or less agree, I think. Yeah, I feel like. So so, what should be the rules? Like so so, you think better to call someone and say, and just say, more or less have this conversation, right? Yeah, I feel like talking about this stuff and leaving the decisions to both people. Yeah. To to make it and not have one deal with the consequences of of the other without knowing like his actions is is the best is the best way to move forward or just like to be safe yeah. and to take the safest bet that would not jeopardize someone's uh well-being like if you canceled our meeting but also told me that like your son is sick i i would totally understand that yeah, yeah. and if you also like left the decision to like for you and me to discuss it it's also something that, that yeah. I would appreciate. But just, I think, like, showing up to something um, that you know, um, that you know something about it and I don't, it's, it's just showing some sort of, uh, like, a lack of confidence in, in mm. my intelligence or... Well, you you could view it in another way, which is, you'll you're, you'll be fine <laughs> you yeah. know like mo most but you don't know that i of course i don't know that right but yeah. but um uh, you know as i said right this 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 virus isn't you know the vast majority of of of, of cases that you'll catch this thing you, you, it's not going to it's not going to be anything other than at, at at worst for someone like you and me mm -hmm. a couple of days with a fever and and you know what what resembles a cold right or flu yeah but the thing is that yeah like there are circles around us and there are things that we don't say to each other like i could have like an illness that is not really shown mm. and you would just think that mm -hmm. i'm i'm young and healthy mm -hmm. and you don't know like the circles of, of like my family or the people that i'm interaction with that could be like in danger True. danger groups yeah so there are a lot of like Things that force us to be really conscious, like extra conscious about anything. Yeah. And I think like it really, it really is something that is common in society. And I'm, and I'm really grateful for it. Like the whole Me Too movement, like how people, people are being extra cautious about sexual harassment. Yeah. And about like, I don't know, like bullying, like as, as the years uh, evolve. Um so okay, that because there there's this there's this thread that's sort of running through the conversation, which is like how much responsibility do we carry for other people? Yeah, and what one way of looking at this is is quite a lot actually. Um, another way of looking at this is actually zero, right? Where not zero, but not as much as people would like, or or or, or we're sort of 
giving short change to people's own personal responsibility by saying, look, I'm protecting you. Like we're all just sort of protecting each other. And then, well, where's the adventure, right? Uh, where's you know where's the risk, right? The sense of risk taking. And again, I, I I really don't know sort of in where where I land specifically in 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 that constellation of stuff. But take for example bullying. You just raised it. Um, it's so weird. It's just life just sort of smacks you uh, unexpectedly. My son now, who just went into first grade, has a bully in his class, and he obviously really doesn't like it um, and he complains about it you know so a couple times at night he's, he's come crying is and being that, bullied or yeah, yeah yeah he he is being bullied yeah um and a part you know part of me thinks if he just stands up to this bully this this will be finished right yeah. but there's there's another side that okay, there's a teacher involved i actually don't know what's going on with this with this other kids you know who who knows what what kind of environment is is causing him to be a bully yeah. right and there's a you know so and then and there's also the, the the fate of the entire class right like how does this person this this little kid right that's he's only six years old that's bullying these other kids not just my son mm-hmm. how do they how do they deal with him like is it just individually is it just collectively like do the, do they all have to stand up to him does a teacher have to send a message like it, it's not it's not entirely clear what I have to do as a father to tell my son. So for the moment, it's like tell the teacher that 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 that. But if this thing continues, right? I mean, do I then tell this, my son, look, you got to take responsibility for yourself and and stand up to this guy and 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 also reap the benefits of of that action, right? Of that move to say you don't you don't mess with me any any longer. Like, mm-hmm. what do you think? Yeah. <coughs> I mean, you were bullied, right? Um, I think I was I was bullied because of of my family of yeah like I was trying I I think like I grew up in an environment that tried to make everything really normal and the environment was not really normal and I wasn't given like the exception or was given the spotlight of of showing up as as someone. That has a, a unique family, a unique structure of, of families. Yeah. So, so wait, your your moms were the first lesbian couple in Israel to have biological children. Yeah. So my is that is, that, is that even true? Like I'm sure I'm not sure. I have no idea. But weren't were there weren't lesbian couples before that just had sex with another? I mean, it sounds really crass to, to describe this, but did they have sex? Other women that had sex with a a man to have children of their own, or, or? yeah. So. This is as as far as my my sister knows that she's she's the first um, she's the first girl who was born to two lesbian moms and until then it was either um, like couples like heterosexual couples being divorced and then reunited again with their um, own sex uh, partner. Mm. Um, so they had kids. Yeah, got divorced. They had kids or. Yeah, got something remarried. Like that. Or, yeah, I mean, you, you, as a gay person, you can't get married in Israel, right? Not yet, unfortunately. Not yet. Okay. Um, and yeah, so back to my um, answer about bullying and stuff. Wait, um, no, no, but but just spell it yeah. out. So, so your moms were the first uh, couples in Israel to have a biological child, right? Yeah, my my sister is is five years older than me, right? So now she's uh, 
30 and, and something. Mm-hmm. Um, 30 and something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not a forbidden age, right? <laughs> um, How old are you? I'm 20, almost 27. <laughs> no wonder you say 30 and something. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, so I think like um, in these five years between my sister and I, I mm-hmm. hope that some families were able to to bring their own children. Okay. Their own native native circle. Do you know um, what the process was? Was it artificial insemination? Um, it was. It was sort of like an IVF um, situation that you get like a sperm donation and yeah. you get like an egg donation from from the mom that will carry the. Um, the fetus, um, and then it's uh, artificial insemination and into the woman's um, uterus, right? Um, like every other IVF does. Um, but yeah, I know that my mom dreamt for for years to have like her own children, and I think like um, it was just something that was so new. Um, yeah did uh you and your sister are from the same mom or each one is from each one is from from the other mom okay um and 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 both of you don't know who the father is is. yeah okay um but we're still like feeling like we always felt like like um siblings like in in every word uh, in every like yeah part of uh of how to describe it even uh, though even though biologically you're you're not related yeah that's that's wild man yeah i think like because the family was trying so hard to make it feel natural and make it feel yeah. like this is this is a new way of of growing kids growing yeah. families well so i i want to come back to the bullying thing but but just yeah. i mean I, I don't know what what is it like to what was it like to grow up in your house? Yeah, um, I would say like the ultimate and like the overall experience was good. Yeah, um, I like there are a lot of stereotypes for like um, people thinking that I was born to two moms, that there was a lot of food, a lot of like <laughs> warmth, a lot of like um, caring from from the parents, um, and it was. Um, I think like the the focus on food was not very significant because we're Ashkenazi <laughs> and they weren't like uh, the best cooks, but I appreciate them yeah. um, trying and, and always like making sure that there's like a, a warm meal um, when I'm coming back to school from school. Yeah. Were they, and they were involved in your life? Like they, yeah, they were, but I was also like putting limits to their involvement in, in mm. some ways. So, one of the things that I'm not very, um, I'm not feeling really good talking about is like how bullying affected my my sense of confidence in, in my family. Um, so, for example, there's like a like once per quarter you need to bring your parents to talk to to the teacher, um, like how your studies have have, mm-hmm. have been going and stuff like that. So because I was pretty um, not confident in, in my in my family and was also like pretty much afraid from 
other people seeing two moms um, waiting outside of the classroom. Um, so this is something that like really affected my, I don't know, my... Do you, do you recall the first time that you were teased or bullied because of your two yeah. moms? I think it was somewhere in like in the basketball court or something. Mm. I always didn't feel belong in each place that that I was I was trying to go to to play as a as a kid. Why? Because I was born to a family of like three women um and I think like in kindergarten everything was good and there wasn't like really um, standards for gender or standards for sexuality. Mm. Everyone were just like kids and had fun no matter what their gender was and no mm. matter what um, society looked at them. And right. I think like in the first, like uh, when I was eight or something, there was like this separation of of kids going either to to play basketball or to play football or the girls are playing other stuff um and, and you didn't have any of this stuff in the house um i did have this like both of my moms were really like uh sportsy like they loved mm -hmm. they loved playing sports and i was also good in it but just the social interaction with the people that played these type of sports was pretty rare to me because I was always like playing either with my moms or with my sister mm. but like the circles that had the stigma of, of gender I, I wasn't I, I didn't feel belonged in, in each of them is that I mean it's hard to know this as, as a kid growing up but did your parents did they consciously sort of remove you from those kinds of people did they just talk it along with the parents that you didn't play uh, with their kids. I mean, you you went to school, right? You went yeah. to kindergarten, so yeah. I I think like they just tried to make everything look normal, and like they weren't really involved in in my social interactions mm -hmm. with with other kids. They sort of like trusted that I was a friendly a friendly boy, yeah, and was presumably had a lot of like friends, and everything was good at school, <coughs> and. Every time I, I came back from school, at the end of the day, it was just saying, yeah, everything was fun. Everything was okay. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't okay in, in some of the days. And some of the days, it, it was okay. Yeah. Um, but I think, like, this sort of, like, uh, first bullying exercises were when I was either caught in the middle of, like, the gender war in, like, in preschool. What? Um, sort of gender like, war. <laughs> no, I, I. It's just something that I made up now. Um, <laughs> like we've got enough wars already. Please. Yeah, that I didn't know. Like, if I'm, I'm, if I belong to the basketball court mm -hmm. or I belong to the girls' court, playing something else. Wow, fuck. And I didn't know like where where to put myself, and because I was always like more more. I felt more comfortable around girls because this is yeah. like where I grew up. Were, were there were there men hanging around your house? Were there any father figure types or? Um, I think there was. There were figures that 
tried to make me feel like I, I was having like this uh, father uh, figures like from uncles and stuff like that. But yeah. Everything, nothing was really like significant enough to make me feel like uh, I had this father character. Yeah, there's something also just about the consistency of it. Like I see my three boys every single day. And so they see how they how I interact with their mother, right? So that that gives them a a way of an example of of how to deal with a woman that you love, right? Um, they see how I am with other adults. They see how I am with older people. Like I'm not saying I'm the I'm the best at any of these things, right? But it for better or worse, I'm I am their example, and it's just. It's just constant day after day after day after day after day, different situations, right? And they're just sort of, I mean, I know I know this now because now I'm a father and I, I watched my father. And you're just you're you're painting, it's a it's a composite, right, of all these different scenarios that you you saw your father, and uh, and then you try you emulate what you want yeah. to emulate, and then you dis discard or try to improve upon the things that you didn't like. Um, and I suppose this is this is just the process for for every. Uh, boy, because we're both we were both once boys, yeah. um, growing up in a in a heterosexual, uh, growing up with heterosexual parents, yeah. right? Um, but you didn't have that, and um, so did did you have did you have friends that you like went to, um, but got guy friends? Yeah. Okay, so tell yeah. me about that. I think I had these very small small number of um male friends like when i grew up yeah um and they were aware of the bullying as well um <coughs> i think like when when i was bullied i didn't have like these male friends um i think oh. i had these male friends like before the bullying and after the bullying but i had like i didn't have like some male character or male figure in my life that could could have protected me from some right. of these bullying. And Someone maybe, like me t talking to my son, saying, "For now, tell the teacher." But at some point, yeah, or or like face. to have someone talk directly to the bullies themselves. Like right. I had right. very strong, like girl girlfriends that stood up for me and Amazing. protected me from from other male bullies yeah that that were hanged out in, in my school although that could backfire right because you know i'm, I'm speaking tradi traditionally here but if if a male bully picks on a, a boy yeah. and then a, a, a girl friend stands up for him he might actually be in think okay maybe i should continue to pick on this kid because what the hell is this like yeah this isn't Maybe it's something this that... isn't someone I should be afraid of, right? He's got some some again. I'm speaking um, yeah. crudely here, but some he's got some girl going and defending him. Like, what the hell is that? Yeah, and maybe it was the snowball that that mm. made the experience feel felt so so long. Yeah. Um, How long were you bullied? Um, I would say like around eight eight years. So from the from that moment in the basketball court when you were what, six years old, no, I think it was like around eight. You were eight years old. Yeah, until um, you were sixteen. 
yeah I, I, I would say like it wasn't like the same bully like yeah. all the time like yeah. i do have these characters in mind when when i'm thinking about the people that bullied me yeah and the most iconic thing is that i saw one of them in the pride parade few few <laughs> years ago <laughs> and it was like oh man i just held so much anger inside of me of just saying like you called me gay you laughed at me like hanging just around girls you laughed at my family <gasps> and now you're at the pride parade and wait and this and this guy is gay no i don't know like maybe he oh, is maybe okay. he's not because but... I, I mean i've been to the pride parade right yeah it's fun <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah it's, it's bringing like recognition to right me. right but the thing is you know there are there are definitely i'm sure things that i did or said as a kid that i'm not proud of or or i would look at now and think oh don't don't do that right because we're kids and we just don't we don't know what we're doing right we're, we're figuring this stuff out you know yeah and um but asking this forgiveness is is something that i was hoping to get ah uh, and maybe it's something that i, yeah. I will get and i'm hoping yeah to get but this this does this guy know the pain that he caused you? I don't think so. I don't think so. Right. I didn't confront with him. Yeah. Um, yeah, because you've been, you've been carrying this shit. I mean, yeah. You're twenty, almost twenty seven, right? And so it's eleven years you've been bully free. Yeah. I suppose. But a third of your life. You weren't. Yeah. Right. <laughs> That's a long time, man. And those and those are your formative years, for fuck's sake, you know. Yeah. And also, I think it's it's not something that I could have controlled in. I think I was bullied because of of my of my environment, of because of my status, and not because of the things that I I did, like by myself. What do you mean? I wasn't bullied because I was a nerd. I wasn't bullied because mm. I didn't have friends. I wasn't bullied because mm. other things that I was entirely responsible for i was bullied because of the environment i was born into yeah um did you talk about this with your moms i did i did it i did talk about it like a few weeks ago after we talked about this podcast oh but not um, not not no, during no not I, in your school years no i was wow so i was afraid kept this all to yourself or and your friends right yeah i was afraid of hurting them I was afraid of making them regret on on the type of family that they grew. I was afraid that the bully the bullies would eventually hurt them. Really? I, yeah. And it's something that as a as a as a small boy growing up in a family I, I was trying to take this um parental position of being like a father and in, in a family that has two moms already but just because i'm <coughs> but just because i'm i'm a man i need to take this ownership and i need to take this wow um, where did that come from um I don't know. I feel like it was an instinct, an instinct that that I had, not because my my two moms were not strong enough or yeah. 
stuff like that. They were extremely strong and they were they were protective. They were they were great. They they are great. I mean, I just imagine, you know, they live in a neighborhood. They have to deal with you know the parents of the people in your class and your sister's class. Like they they have a social circle, and so all of a sudden, like this is completely not common, and they do it. And they have to live with it, right? And they have to they have to be sort of gangster about it and be like, hey, fuck you. I don't care if you care or not. Like, this is my life. This is the way we're going to lead it. And no one can tell me what's right or wrong here. So yeah. that's already, it already, I mean, as you said, but your mother was her wish, right, to have a child. Yeah. And uh, and she did it, right? So there's a, there's a certain courage there that, you know, that is laudable and noble. So I, I don't doubt the fact that your parents were, were strong people. But it's interesting that you still, even though that was the case, you still felt like you needed to protect them. Yeah. And you and you can't really explain why that is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I I feel like I was just afraid. Maybe it was like a stigma that I, I carried throughout the years that mm. because they're they're women, because mm. because I, I I noticed this gap in in my like when I was in preschool and kindergarten there wasn't like this gender specification, and then my family didn't made it seem like there was one. And then I went in, into school, into preschool, and I noticed that there is a difference between men and women and how people think that they are, are strong physically and mm -hmm. mentally. Um, and I think like this perception of society really influenced me to take ownership, to take like responsibility of the fact that I'm I'm a man. I need to stand up. Mm -hmm. I need to protect others. Um, wow. So even coming out of a home such as yours, yeah. you did adopt some of the same traditional way of looking at men and women. Um, I think it was in this very short period of time that mm -hmm. I, was, I was sort of like bullied. But then yeah. afterwards, I just like neglected and put that aside. Do you do you think that um, you know you you, you said something that I'm still trying to process in the beginning? Wait, you said that you could hide the fact that you were sick or not. You, you you're not exactly sure, but yeah. it's possible that you did. Do you think that that's as a result of, of training yourself to when your mom asks, when your mother's asked you how how your day was? You're like, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> but meanwhile, you were suffering like hell. Yeah, and they believed you. I suppose. Yeah. Well, at least maybe you like to think that they believe you. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure that they <coughs> didn't believe me at some stage because it was really like uh, I had I was living in my own world. I was coming from school and just going on like going up the stairs and being locked in my room until until dinner. Uh, really? Yeah. And it was like the time were you angry at, at your parents? Um, at some point, yeah. 
Yeah. No, I I, I know the feeling. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I was also like feeling really bad that I was angry at them because they didn't do anything wrong. Right. They tried to wrap me in cotton and make me feel like I'm protected and mm. supported and it wasn't it wasn't enough for me, I think. So it's 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 weird how we sort of keep coming back to the first um thing that we were talking about is that yes we need to be protected but we also need to face risk and danger right it's the only way that we can get tough and grow and it's the only way it works right and again traditionally speaking those are the two roles of mother and father right where mothers um they tend to be more caring and nurturing and even protective, right? Where its fathers are a bit harsher, I suppose. Right? This is this is the prototype of the father that they realize that there's a lot of suffering that you have to go through when you go out into the world, especially if you're a man. And your job is to prepare them for this, right? Like, don't whine, suck it up, you know, get your life is in your hands, right? You have all the tools you need you just have to develop them and you have to grow some character and um and i i wonder if you were angry in a sense of maybe they protected you too i, I have no idea again i'm just asking like if they protected you too much you said they wrapped you in cotton um yeah. and you you kind of maybe you wanted maybe you saw fathers in other kids homes and you said oh I, I wish i had someone like that in my house to push me and to show me what it's like to be strong and tough and you know, all that all that sort of typically male characters uh, characteristics um tell me if i'm wrong yeah if i'm yeah. if i'm putting words in your no, mouth no. please 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 i don't think i i was looking for it i wasn't okay. like looking for for the type of family that i was hoping my family would be um mm. i always felt that there was a significant difference in, in the houses of, of my friends when where I went with my with my friends too and they hosted me. Like what? But, um I would say um Like the way the houses looked, the kind of food that was there, uh, the entertainment that was there. Like, did you grow up with video games? No, no, okay. not at all. Uh, Sports. Uh, I, I'm just making shit up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Discipline. Yeah, I would say more discipline mm. in the houses that I went to. Okay. Um, I grew up sort of like with my that I had the responsibility to develop my own discipline. And there were rules at other places that I went to. Oh. Um, but I was already, like, had my own discipline, so I didn't have to mm. <coughs> to rebel or, or something like that. 
Um, so what did your your mothers gave you a lot of leeway to do? Yeah, like, they what? gave me like a lot of freedom, a lot of like, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I was never like being sent to because of punish like to, to yeah to my own room. Um, I always was really like uh, was a good boy and yeah was trying to to satisfy everyone. Yeah. Um, and then I went to uh, my friends' houses and saw the discipline there, <laughs> and was just really thankful for what I have. Um, cool. And also, I got a lot of um, sense that that my friends weren't like their biggest, their their father's biggest fans, mm. and this also caused me to not look at what I don't have. Um, mm. But I, I started looking at what I don't have, like at later stages, at at later ages, uh, when the bullying stopped and I had the time to think about what happened. Um, but I think, like at the moment, like when I was, like in in school and pretending that everything was good, I I wasn't looking for a father character because I I thought it was a bad one. I didn't. I didn't mm. want. I didn't want a male character. A character in my yeah, life. yeah. I think that was dads. There, there, there can be nice dads, yeah. but typically speaking, the role of a dad isn't exactly the nice one. <laughs> yeah. You know, the mom cooks the again traditionally speaking, blah blah blah, but the mother cooks the amazing food. They, you know, they. They do. They take them out to do nice things, and the dad is like, you know, this, as you said, right, discipline and order, and um, that just teaching them cold the cold lessons of life, right? Which again are extremely valuable. But in the moment, like for example, um, I tried to teach my sons how to ride bikes when uh, when I was in uh, Amsterdam uh, about a month ago, and uh, you know. For them, it's just learning how to ride a bike. But for me, it's 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 the value of teaching the value of perseverance. Mm-hmm. Of these are you, know, you have to take these steps to get personal freedom, right? It's not like you wake up in the morning, you learn how to ride a bike, and it's so easy, and now you can just go to your friend's house whenever you want, right? That it doesn't work that way. You've actually got to practice this thing, and then and then once once we know that you're good at this and you don't fall off the bike and you know what you're doing and you know how to cross the street and all that stuff, then, then you're free to go, right? But it, it does take some training. And that, obviously, that, that lesson is is applicable through many, many periods of, of my, of everyone's lives, right? Riding a bike. Yeah. But my eldest, um, he's a perfectionist and he was just quit right in the middle of one of our sessions, even though he was making great progress. But he fell off the bike, and he just didn't like it. And this, you know, after patiently explaining what I'm doing, this and that, you know, again, maybe I sh- should have taken a different approach with him. But I, I just got so annoyed that he was quitting on me, you know. And we got into an argument, right? And this, this is probably my fault, but I, what should have been a really fun bonding experience, learning how to ride a bike turned into a fight and now we have this this thing you know like the next time he sees a bike and he sees me it's like oh this this asshole again right um 
nevertheless, like there's still there's still a good lesson there that I hope to teach him one day. And and you know, again, I did it I did it imperfectly, but maybe one day he'll look back and say, oh yeah, that that, that maniac who taught me how to ride a bike he actually taught me something valuable. Um, and the same goes for my other kids too. Um, but yeah, the the role of a dad is. But what was your lesson in this experience? In terms of what? In terms of uh, what made your son, your older son, uh, feel so angry at you? That I, I think first and foremost that I I misunderstand him. You know, I see someone giving up for not a good reason. He feels something completely different. I think. I could be wrong. He's not here to speak on his own behalf. Um, but, and that's that's really not a nice feeling. You know, when someone... We all, we all exist, but we're never fully understood. Right? And when someone understands you, that's that's everything, right? And you hang on to those people forever, right? And um, and it hurts when it's your father that doesn't understand you, or your mother, or your whatever, wife, husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever. You know, you know, you get what I mean? Because you're saying the same thing over and over and over and over again, and you expect this person who's been with you forever to effortlessly understand what it is that the hell you're going through what you're saying and when they don't it's like wow you weren't paying attention to me at all yeah. and uh and that that sucks you know but that is not necessarily your <coughs> fault like your your fault it's also like the person that is trying to communicate it maybe not in the most comprehensive way Welcome to parenthood. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is actually this 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 is precisely the reason that I have come to understand my parents in a completely new light. Is actually going through it myself. Yeah. And I'm I'm way more um loving and accepting of, of the job that they did. Like the, all the so the anger and the resentment, like most of it is gone. Not all of it, because I, it's like, oh, that's what you were doing, you know, and carrying that baggage and that weight. It's like, it's not helpful, right? And uh, and who knows? Like, may- maybe this is part of your process of working through whatever it is that happened in your house. Um, because you'll wake up one day and you'll realize that you're you're Joab Reisler who just got promoted, right? <laughs> <laughs> and no but seriously you're working you're you're a key contributor to a, a pretty quickly growing startup yeah. you're not a criminal are you no not yet okay <laughs> no like you're you're a functioning human being that's capable of having friends like whatever your parents did or didn't do like you came out okay you know yeah. and there's shit that you got to work out in your own mind right with this anger and stuff but the time will come, but okay. So that actually, it 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 it's um. It does bring me to something that's again endlessly fascinating about you is that you. 
you told me that you're also a sperm donor. Yeah. So what what's that about? I think it was knowing like well so far what we've talked about about your own life like what and then and then you make the decision anyway. So what's that about? I think it was the decision I made came from really like altruistic reasons of helping other people, other families to bring children to life. And I also did it from does that mean like you close your eyes and and you see your mother like another version of your mother who's just dreaming about having a kid and you're there to help fulfill that wish? Um like is she the archetype in your mind? I wouldn't say like it's a my wish to satisfy one person's um mm-hmm. dreams or wishes. It's it's <coughs> enabling and helping a couple mm. to bring someone to life. Yeah. To do something that they that the government or like the law doesn't allow itself like to or like biology doesn't enable it. Um, well, it do, it does, right, for lesbians, but it's yeah. a, it's a not a nice. No, like I think like process. If two two women, two lesbians, wanted yeah. to have um, a child born without the involvement of a male character, yeah, that would be nice. That would be fun. yeah, like not being reliant on on something that they don't necessarily want yeah. in their own life. Mm-hmm. but just being this enabler being this I don't know like someone who wants to help bring a family to to existence and to replicate the family that I had and it's something that I, I really wish for someone to have yeah isn't that amazing yeah, you've 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 already come full circle, and you're not yet. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm coming towards there. So what think... what 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 we'll come back to the sperm, but I'm, I am curious. Like what 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 are the things that you're still hanging on to? That this, the what are the residual effects of your childhood that you still are still processing? Um. I would say the sense of belonging. The what do you mean? Sense of existence, even. Um, what do you mean? I feel like um, to have to do like this entire IVF situation is so complex for for the parent. But once a child is being born. He doesn't know his entire history and he doesn't know he knows that his parents worked so hard to make him alive yeah but then he's alive and what now like he wants to know his origins but he doesn't know like they're 100 percent, like 100 percent of their origins so it sort of like throws you into a situation that um You're looking for, you're you're walking on the street and you're looking for people who look like you to make you feel like complete. Yeah, like you're 
you have a point for existence. You have like, yeah, instead of like, uh, you're looking for attributes that you can't find in your biological, oh, fuck, mom, whether it's good or whether it's bad. And you're just wondering like, why, why, why it exists? Why, why it's in there? Um, mm. And it's something that, that so in the past years I, I was trying to find out. Do you, have, do you, so you don't know your, your biological father? I don't. Have you ever looked for this person? I, I did, but it was in a time that everything was really manual. Everything was in papers and there wasn't like a, a really a documentation. There is a group that is called um, Achaim in Hebrew. It's like okay. half, half sibling. <coughs> um, that I was introduced to when I started like the sperm donation of, of my own. Um, and then I found my half sister. That was born from a, from the same sperm donor. Holy shit! And I'm not saying father. I'm I'm explicitly saying like sperm. Yeah, donor yeah, yeah. Because I don't see this person as a father. Fair enough. Um, wow. And yeah, does she does she resemble you in any way? She does. She does resemble <laughs> me like physically, and I'm actually meeting her like uh, in a few hours. Oh, um, you have you have a relationship with? Yeah, yeah. she's she's great. And How old is she? She's years or three years younger than me um and she resembles me wait how how were you able to confirm that that this person is your half sister so in this facebook group it's sort of like a a space for um for either moms or for either like like kids that were born from sperm donation yeah to cross check and and find like we need to give the attributes of, of the sperm donor that we know that our moms um, knew and the date and and like the hospital that the entire situation happened mm -hmm. and then there's like a big excel sheet that i, I wasn't i was not exposed to but when i wait how, how big is this excel sheet i'm not sure i don't know i think like it, it's a group of like no i'm wondering like are you are you looking through 50 sperm donors 50,000 500,000 I don't know I, I wasn't involved in that okay, I okay. was just okay. like joining this group and mm -hmm. sharing the attributes of, okay. of like the sperm donor that I know yeah um and the date yeah and everything like that happened and then the manager of this group just cross checks like the attributes and mm -hmm. says that there are few candidates that might be related to you based on these attributes and then they advise you to do this DNA test. Um, it's called Family Finder um, that okay. I, I send my DNA to. And then I was confirmed. I, I sort of like had this two girls that suspectedly were like half sisters of mm -hmm. mine. Mm -hmm. One was in the end my sister through this um, confirmation of a DNA test and the other one was not. Um, but it's wow. an ongoing process and so there might there may be other yeah. women or people out there that are related to you. Of course. And I think it really depends on <coughs> for how long can the sperm be preserved. Yeah. Um yeah. after donation. But it's uh it was really it was really weird. Um yeah. to make this. You know, 
it's um I I want to come back to you know your your point about um grounding your existence in something yeah real right but I I, I was recently reading an, an article by um this former colleague of mine Ethan Bronner lovely guy um he wrote a magazine article for Bloomberg actually uh, the day I gave my exit interview at Bloomberg. He and I caught up for coffee and he told me about this story that he was doing. And um, so so this article is about, um, how would you call it? It's like sperm donors of dead soldiers. So in the, in the military, um, there have been a few, I don't know how many cases, but the stories, the article is centered around one specific case. Um, that this woman, I think she was from Ukraine. She moved to Israel. She had a child. Uh, he served in the army. He was 25. He was in a firefight in uh, on the border with Lebanon. He was killed, and they um, extracted sperm from his testicles and froze them because his mom, upon hearing the news, according to the article anyway, shouted, "Someone needs to get his sperm," or something like this. Like, uh, imagine, you know, uh, we're, we're, like, no one knows where thoughts come from. Comes, No one knows where thoughts come from. Where the hell did that thought come from, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, so they did. And now there's a five-year-old girl uh, you know, from some woman who wanted to have this, this man's child. He's dead. He's been dead for I don't know how many years. I think more than 20 years or so. Um. It's 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 amazing like what technology can do to create life, but it's it's this kind of stuff that it's like it's hard to quantify. I mean, it's easy to go into a lab and say you know let's take some sperm, let's take some eggs, we'll sort of mix and mash them together, put them in a lab in a you know freeze them somewhere or whatever, and then boom IVF and you you've got a child. That's amazing, right? But the fact that you you're, there's like a there's like a oh, tell me how you feel but there's, there's like a piece missing to your life is that is it like an empty feeling is it um is it painful is it what what how would you describe this yeah um i wouldn't say it's painful it's an empty piece that i'm trying to fill throughout my lifetime mm. throughout my lifetime to Find the sense of belonging to find to ground my existence in, into something, and this was also one of the reasons that I decided to be a sperm donor in the end. But you wouldn't? Would you share your identity with? Um, I, it's still anonymous, but I think like if the same children go to the database that I'm in, they would immediately see that I'm I'm connected to them biologically yeah. uh, because I'm already like inside the system but yeah. just for other reasons but you you wouldn't want another person to deal with what you're dealing with i suppose right this would search this um, for completeness no i i think i would i wouldn't want to have other other people going through this i wouldn't oh. say that it's like why why is that because it makes you special it <laughs> makes you how so it makes you <coughs> It makes your history 
become part of your identity, I would say. Of course. And but how does it's that a, it's an icebreaker. It's <laughs> it's yeah. It's something that inherently becomes you more special than the other kid that was born from a heterosexual couple um and knows his and his or hers entire history. Mine is just more innovative, more complex. I, I, w I would agree with the latter part of what you said, but the former, I mean, I, I look at everyone. Look, yeah. I, I see you. Right? The reason why I was so excited to have this conversation is because, look, we all wake up in the morning and we carry all our the sort of psychic baggage from wherever the hell we came from. All of us, right? And yet we go out into the world anyway and we try to make the best of it struggling along as we do in our journey towards death <laughs> essentially you have this this strange twist that as you said most of us don't have but i, I don't know i i guess i have a little trouble sort of making a, a hierarchy of, of existence here like I, for me it's all it's all it's humanity across the, the entire spectrum right you and i are are different clearly but To me, what what makes humanity so special is that we all share very fundamental things, and then you know everything else built on top of that. You can do it whatever you want, right? But you know the fact that you and I, for example, that we need to eat to survive, is already a wonderful thing because now we can we can both share something like we. We can have a, I don't know, a, you eat meat, do you? Yes. Okay, so we can have a, we can share a hamburger together and talk about life and not even notice that, like, at the same time, we're both experiencing the same damn thing, right? So, yes, it nourishes us, but it's also, it's not, it's, the hamburger's amazing and the french fries are so good. We can obsess about the food together, right? And we can say, oh, wow, this this is cooked so nicely. And, like, to share the same experience, that's that's a taste, literally a taste of the universal, right? So I don't have a little trouble digesting someone saying it makes you special in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I feel like. But yes, it's a great it's a great line. <laughs> it's a great pickup line. <laughs> no, I I feel like um. <coughs> I was special enough by the family I grew up into, and yeah. it just made me crave to be special in every other aspect of life. Mm. And this journey or this chase for, for someone to be special in everything that it does is something that I wish for someone to have as well. Interesting. It makes you it makes you feel like you, you need to be here. You need to live. And but do you do you not think that all of us, you know, normies don't feel the same? Um, we have quite a lot of evidence to suggest that we should just check out, but we continue to live anyway, no? Yeah, but I would say that for people that grew up and like had this journey of life like as I would, would not necessarily want to be here. Hmm. And I feel like 
do you, do you is describe the I guess the relationship with your with the half sister that you found. Yeah. Did she also uh, grow up in a in a gay household or she? No, she was born actually for like a a single mom. Wow. Uh, so the difference is uh is very big. Yeah. Uh, but still, the there was no male correct. figure in her life. Her life, right? It's a woman. Yeah. yeah, but also she's she's a woman, so it's, mm. it's a bit, it's much different. And does she share this this um, search for her father? Does she also look at the street and look at look for people? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I, I I don't necessarily look for for knowing who this person is and talking to him. I just want to see picture of him just want to see something that would like close the loop something that would mm. verify i don't know but, my existence but there's also something kind of like self-perpetuating about this whole process right like you have this thing where you don't know who you're you don't know who the sperm donor was yeah and but yet you're, you're you're curious. Like you you ha- you did search for this person, and you you're out there looking in the street. And maybe this is the person. Maybe that's that's the that's the man, right? But if you find out, then that search ends. I suppose you can continue to ask, what's this? What is this person's background? Where do they come from? Yada yada. yada. Although you can do a DNA test and find that out pretty quickly. But um, so, do you want it to end? Do you want to find your the, the sperm donor, or um, I just want to, I just want to know like how it looks like, <laughs> but not no no questions. Nonetheless, I I I know that he was a <coughs> like a med student. I know that he was looking very much like my mom, in terms of uh like characteristics of uh like blonde, mm-hmm. blue eyes pretty high um tall Ashkenazi. yeah okay uh Ashkenazi mm-hmm. um so we know that we know his phenotype says like how it looks like pretty much yeah but I feel like a picture would make me feel like that I know that he's a person or yeah I would know I would know my origins a bit more. I would know that this is a living person that I was born like from his help. Mm. Um, just make make everything more like humane. It's something that I wish wish to have. Mm. So in in this in this otherness that you describe it. Is there a sense of you that's kind of doubtful that, yeah, it, it is kind of mechanical, right? Like it's sperm was extracted, it was went through a process, it was, there were needles involved, not, you know, sex between a man and a woman, passion, love, and all that stuff. Yeah. It was a bit more sterile, I suppose. Yeah. And you want to think, no, no. I don't care, Two I don't humans. care, like, the process. I don't care, like, it either, yeah, it, I don't know, like, there are 
women that get pregnant by being raped. They're yeah. I don't care what the process is. I want to know that the intentions were good. Mm. But how would you how would you get, gather that from a picture of this person? Um, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of things that you can learn from looking at someone's eyes. Really? Yes. And seeing the presumed intention behind them. Yeah? I hope so. Do you enjoy going to museums or art galleries or things like that? Um, not necessarily. <laughs> okay. I, I like talking to people. I like, mm -hmm. like trusting my judgment on whether people are, are feeling good or bad. Like whether they're good or bad people. Like I yeah. have this shimmers every time I'm walking <coughs> like on the street and a man or a woman crosses me and if I get this shimmers I I'm afraid of this person. I get a feeling that this person has done something bad in his life or could mm. hurt me. Um and I feel like it's sort of like an instinct that I And that's just by looking at their into their eyes. Yeah, I think so. Do you have you felt this way since you were a kid? Or is this something you you developed um, later on? It's something that I I think I had since I was a kid. Um mm. this extra sensitivity sensitivity to to people and to especially people who could hurt me or my loved ones. Ah, uh, and that's that's probably from the bullying, I suppose. Probably. So you you would walk into a class, a new class every year, and you could just sort of scan the room and say, potential asshole, good person, yeah, and easily influenced, you know? And I was or naturally or instinctly, instinctively um, going away from the people that, I felt like they had a potential to hurt me. Yeah. Or and were you right a lot of the times? Um, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Okay. So I... <laughs> maybe I shouldn't look into your eyes, man. No. <laughs> um, so you're also gay. I am. And this was one of the... I think the most thorny issue... Or the, the the issue that you were most concerned about, right, was your sexuality as a result of that people would misunderstand that your sexuality is tied to growing up in a gay household, or or, or perhaps not. I have no idea, right? They, it wasn't yeah. exactly clear from from the way you describe it. Yeah, I feel. Did you did you did you have a sense that you were gay? I mean, you, you didn't ha you didn't grow up in a house of two gay men. Right? Yeah. I suppose. Right? But tell me if I'm wrong. I mean, like, there weren't... You obviously didn't grow up with that. Two gay dads, but... Were there gay men hanging around your house a lot? There were. Okay. Um, my non-biological mom had um, two brothers. They were, they were gay. One died from AIDS, I think, just in the, in the middle of the pandemic in, mm. in the 80s. Mm -hmm. um, the other one is also gay, lives in London. 
um, and the family is very like <coughs> gay friendly, and there's a lot of gay. Um, there's a lot of gayness in your house. A lot of it, <laughs> and, and and I love it, and and sure. it's openness and yeah, liberalism and yeah, and it's great, and it really made me. And also on on your other mom's side, on the other mom's side, it's a bit more traditional, a bit more like heterosexual. Okay. And stuff, but everyone were super acceptive of of her and um and my other mom. Mm-hmm. Um. But so yeah, you, so you did see both both gay and not and straight. I did. Okay. Um, but I feel. I, I, w- I wasn't sure, and I'm, I'm putting up until now, I'm not sure what impacted me more, like my own desire to be to be gay, or the fact that society always told me that I need to be gay or I am gay. Like throughout all the bullying at school, everyone told me I, I was gay because I was hanged up with with girls only. Yeah, because I didn't know something else, and because I grew up to a gay family, I necessarily need to be gay. And I think, like, a, like in as a teenager, I wasn't sure what I was necessarily. Well, uh, I, listen, I have no idea what it's like, obviously, and. Uh, it's it's been this like secret wish of mine to so have a gay person like ask away you know how 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 the how, how does it all work right yeah. but you know we we go through similar processes right we 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 mature sexually and we we're attracted to one sex or the other I suppose right or not uh yeah but I feel like society can really convince you to be one thing and not the other. But okay, sure, I guess. But I mean, you still have to have an attract. Like, I, I don't think we're in control of what we're attracted to, right? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like there's always, I don't know, like if scientists even know. Yeah. Um. My family always always told me that they knew I was gay from really early ages. No kidding. But. I I don't think it, it was true. I don't think I had like this sexuality still figured <coughs> out. Um, I, because I was just because I was like extra sensitive boy. Yeah. And wasn't very masculine. Yeah. Did not necessarily mean that I was attracted to boys. I'm not sure. Did you did you ever have sexual interactions with girls? I claimed that I had just to make it just to make me feel like I was suiting like standards, mm-hmm. but um, never did. But never did. Well, doesn't that say something? Um, uh, it does, but also, I I don't see like masculine masculinity or being a man something that I I need to be proud of or I what, I struggle. I struggle with the world, with the word like men, mm-hmm. or to be masculine is sort of not a good thing in my opinion. It's not a good thing. Yeah. So because because I got a sense 
and I felt that men are necessarily type of people that could hurt more than benefit others and it's also I think like one of the reasons that I didn't have this interactions with social sexual interactions with women because I didn't want to hurt them or yeah I just I was I was and I'm still like extra sensitive to sexual harassment sexual abuses yeah by by men necessarily but not all sex between men and women is is is, is harassment or it's bad i mean most of it is through love right yeah it's a <laughs> we're not all terrible man yeah i don't know i feel like it's a a prejudice that i've been carrying yeah but when when you were 12 13 14 and becoming a sexually active your fantasies were more about men women both um for me it was it was one one way street (laughs) i don't i don't think that i had this fantasy really yeah i i started having this fantasy on women first when I was I think 17 but then like the actual experiences with men uh, at 18 and going forward but, so yeah and, I, but you enjoyed it with men um, not at the beginning but I, I in the end I, I, I did yeah I guess it's, it's also what's so um, interesting about it is that so you think the prejudice that you carry um, is that men are more dangerous yeah. and and one should be a bit more cautious and protective over women and yet you choose <laughs> you choose you 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 mate with men yeah and Do you, are you af- are you afraid of getting into a relationship with a man and think this person might hurt me? Mm-hmm. Sensitive as you are and um, w- with your story and with your background of being bullied and stuff, like, does that ever concern you? Does it concern you? Not now because I'm in a relationship with with someone for for the past three years and he's mm-hmm. amazing. And okay. Do you guys live together? Yes. How's that? It's great. It's and it's it's something that I was I wasn't sure if I would feel comfortable with living with uh, a man in the same house and feel still like comfortable and and able to express my masculinity while also feeling um, okay to not. He is is this your first male roommate? Um no. I had a... I'm a I don't want to call him just a roommate, but you know what I mean. Like yeah. first time you're living with a man. Um <coughs> no. It's uh the second time. But and the first time was also a partner or Yeah. Okay. Um and have these guys changed your mind about the lot of us? Or do we still 
<laughs> we still pose a grave danger to uh, some of them. So <laughs> some of them. Also, like as a as a gay kid, um, being exposed to like uh, um, dating apps and stuff like that. Um, it's not something that I could say was the healthiest um, experience of not like being exposed to the bad side of yeah men. Honestly, so I had I had a gay roommate when I first moved to Israel to Tel Aviv, and he would show me some of these uh, apps and dating sites, and it's it's nuts. Yeah, it it's so graphic and so. <laughs> And it's also aggressive. Like, it's validating some some of the concerns that I have towards the yeah towards yeah. men. <laughs> yeah. Are you were you on these apps before? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah. I, I met. I the only I only ask because I met my wife before this stuff really took off. <laughs> thankfully, <laughs> I, it seems so. I don't know. Stressful. So, just like another app that you've got to monitor and. And it's like this podcast is about like impact of technology on, on people's lives. Yeah. And I think the impact of dating apps on, on people's lives is not, not good. Not good. Do you have friends who are still on this stuff? Uh, yeah, of course. And, and they're still complain a lot by what are the, what are the top complaints that these people that have? It leaves it leaves you sort of like a a burn, a burn for for life, burned for life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Why? What happened? Because there aren't really good people there. There aren't really people with good intentions. Like in these apps, and you're sort of like getting exposed to a lot of uh, the bad sides of of oh like how sex how sexuality can hurt people got it and can satisfy only one's desires without showing without right. recognizing the other person's because some people are out there looking for love yeah and if someone betrays that trust right so someone puts themselves out there and says i'm looking for love and she's like yeah, yeah me too and then they just have sex with them and they forget about them i can i can see how that can erode people's faith in in love yeah. right or love that that will sustain itself over the course of their entire lives yeah is and and your friends are are feeling this like they're getting jaded they are or they're just feeling like it's not it's not the place to to hang up on like if you want to find relationships it's just Connecting more the dots between self harm and and lack of understanding of like just looking at people as dolls as sex dolls to get sexual satisfaction. Right, which no one, no one wants to be looked at in that way. Yeah, I mean, sometimes yes, but if you really ask them. You just want to be treated as a piece of meat, yeah. man or woman. They'll say no. It's like no. I, as we as we said, right, we exist. We're alive. Right? We we have stories. We have feelings. We have, and the worst thing in the world is that someone looks at you and just doesn't see you. Yeah. 
um, for who you really are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> These apps are just. But that could just be me, right? Or or, or us? Maybe we're too old. No. no I, <laughs> I feel like the <coughs> statistics of just having a lot of people with bad intentions in one place is higher in apps that rather than like real real life and i think well because you then you can't use your eyes to see and screen if this person is good or not no seriously yeah, yeah. right i mean you don't get this intuition yeah well you kind of do right people develop the skill of screening people based on the conversation that they have online virtually but there's so much information that you can keep to be gleaning if you're just actually in front of this person talking yeah and even even then like when you're having a date with this person you know that they might get be constantly interrupted and be paying more attention to their phone a few minutes at a time so you, even that like the process by which you are Trying to figure out who this person is and, and do they share the core values that you do that you can then share a life with this person. That process gets interrupted by other apps, I suppose, yeah. in the middle of the date. Yeah. How did you meet your um, boyfriend? Through, through, yeah, through a dating app. <laughs> yeah, and I... <laughs> you fucking hypocrite. I know, I know. <laughs> um... <laughs> and it was just like he was looking for like more settle he looked he looked to settle like and finding like the partner for life how the hell do you convey that though in these in these apps um he told me he told me that he was looking only for relationship okay. material and, and stuff like that <laughs> um and i wasn't looking i wasn't looking for that at that time but then i but you trusted this person's i did okay and I he did. trusted you yeah, yeah. And uh <laughs> <laughs> I at least have the moral high ground to say that I didn't I didn't find my wife through this shit, but you <laughs> And it it wasn't something that I was totally proud of. Like Wow, whatever. I suppose Th this is what makes it so hard because there are actually like my cousin met her husband um through one of these apps. And they're amazing together, you know? So it's not black and white. Yeah. But, you know, I, I, again, to go back to how we started, like, there's so much change going so, happening so quickly. And this just, this stuff just gets loosed onto the world. And we don't really talk about it. Like, I was actually thinking about doing something like, like a Ten Commandments for, of, um, virtual communication you know because there are things that people do that are really annoying right like we can reach each other so quickly at any moment of the day that any thought that arises to your head at nine o'clock at night you can just say it's, it's a work situation and say here what what's the status on blah 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 project and uh and then like you're you're just called into action and it's nine o'clock at night you just you want to unwind and and not deal with this shit, you know. So, the, but there are no norms around this. There's no, there's no sort of unspoken code of, we don't do that, you know. Yeah. So, I don't know. It's just something uh, I've been toying with in my head. Yeah, it's fascinating. 
So if you um do you want to have kids? I do. I do. Yeah? Um, do you talk about that? What what's your partner's name? Netanel. Netanel. Do you guys talk about it? Uh yes, we do. Um how would you go about doing it? It isn't a very cheap option. Yeah, it's okay, so I I I have I have a cousin he's married he has two kids now and he always tells me it's very very expensive but walk me through because i don't i don't understand how this works why yeah. why is it so expensive so <coughs> you need to find either like if you want to have like biological children and not adopt mm -hmm. which is also something that i'm totally open to mm -hmm. i think it's a, an amazing thing to do you need to find um a surrogate and you need to find um, an egg donor and to create this circle of of support that would allow you to to have uh, kids what what do you mean what is this circle of support to have this relationship with either relationship or just like conversation with an egg donor mm -hmm. with like doctors who would actually do this IVF and then inseminate the surrogate with the uh, with the fetus, and you need a lot of moving parties in order to do something that a heterosexual couple would be able to do just so by there's, themselves. So there's the two of you, yep. you and Netanel. Mm -hmm. You need a woman to donate her egg. Yeah, and then you need you need a a woman to to actually bear the pregnancy. Um, and then what? And then and then she gives birth. And then she gives birth. And, and you have to pay this woman for her time, right? Of course. And, and also you need to take care of, of this woman to make sure that she's healthy, she's doing okay. And I really hope that I would have a relationship with both the egg donor and the surrogate um, that would carry the baby. And, and, and there's obviously a process... Uh, behind it. so like you've got to interview both the egg donor right. and and the surrogate and yeah. where where does this all i would say from? that the egg donor could be a bit more anonymous if she wants to mm. um than the surrogate but isn't isn't the egg donor sh she's in, in terms of both women she's the more essential character in this story no uh, or tell me if i'm wrong I wouldn't say so. Okay. I would say that the person that carries the baby is more, more essential. I, I, I don't know like if essential is, is the right word, but means a lot, means more to me in my sense. Because as I saw, I feel like my, my biological mom and my non-biological mom, I appreciate them like both at the, the same the same level mm. and appreciating the surrogate for you know carrying the pregnancy and being involved in, in this nine months process is more meaningful to me than just um, highlighting the biological impact of okay and also donating I think the egg. and the and the and the surrogate. Now that I'm thinking about this, also she's 
she's she's creating not only a physical bond with this child that is growing inside of her, which is a crazy thing to think about, but there's on top of that there's an emotional attachment, right? Yeah. Because she's going through this, she's the one who gives birth, and she goes through this amazing experience to bring life into the world. Yeah. And on some level, even has to say has to say goodbye to mm-hmm. this child. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's you're right. It it, it is actually quite quite a delicate um, relationship that that you've got to sort through. Yeah. Have you have you started any of it? Uh, not yet. I I still need to evolve my life a bit yeah. until I'm 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 fully ready to embark on this journey because I think it requires a lot of uh, yeah a lot of time a lot of money a lot of um, do you have any idea how much it costs? Um, I think it costs around like uh, at least one hundred million. Uh, no, no, one hundred million, one hundred thousand um, dollars. Wow. To make this happen. Wow. Um, and and you'd yeah. want to do it once, twice, or as um, much as we can afford. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like three kids is the maximum but for for me at least but also i know that a lot of gay couples are necessarily wanting to to have twins at the beginning mm. um, i i read a stat um that there's 170,000 kids being raised by gay parents in the US, by i think it was 111,000 gay couples in the us so that averages to about a, a kid and a half per family. Hmm. So I guess basically between one or two kids per. per fa- I mean, as you said, it's expensive. It's, it takes a hell of a long time. Like there's all these other added loops to the story that you know uh, uh, that for hetero sort of straight couples can just. <laughs> I mean, just to make this um, slightly embarrassing. I mean, when my wife and I decided we wanted to have kids, I remember the moment actually it was. I mean, just I'm trying to highlight how easy this is. Easy, you know what I mean? How simple, straightforward. That we were walking on our way to a party of friends of ours, and we had been married. So we had been married for almost for like two and a half years, something like that. And uh, and we were just walking, and she's like, "I just I want a kid now." I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> And that was that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to think too much about it, you know. And then we tried for like, I think it was like three months, and then she got pregnant. And you know, look for other couples, it's 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 much more. There are other complications, but generally speaking, that seems to be the story that most couples or a lot of couples have in any event. But for you guys, it's it's <laughs> it's fucking it's it's hard work. It's hard, but it's also very. Like I'm, I'm coming back to my point of like it's really rewarding. It yeah. makes your child extra special because mm. all the work that has been yeah dedicated to making right. this happen. Right. So yeah, if you're like envisioning like a, a sprint like in the Olympics, yeah, this kid is starting like in a closer point to the final circle. Yeah. Than than the rest. Do you ever do you do you ever Do you ever think about what kind of father you, you'd be? Uh, yeah, I feel like 
I wouldn't be too protective, but I would also be very skeptic about the world. I would be, I would let this person develop this own discipline that I I developed throughout the years. Yeah, but I would also feel really skeptic to hear him saying like everything was good, everything was good at school, everything was was fine. My life yeah. is 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 pitch perfect. Yeah, and it's not that. If he would say that, I would know that he's hiding some things, because life isn't perfect all the time. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Also, <laughs> we were just <coughs> I was just in um rented a house up north with family, and uh, <laughs> the first day we were there, I um <laughs> I was just I caught my kids in a lie. Both of them. Uh, sorry, like my two eldest kids, and uh, there's a there was a pool table there, billiards, and I I go down there and I see that one of the pool cues is broken, and I'm thinking, the hell, like what, what happened here? So I ask them, like, did you guys break this? And then they just, they both are telling stories that don't, they don't, you know, they don't uh, they don't link with one another, completely unsynchronized. And you could just look at their, like, they're kind of looking this way, that way. It's like, you fucking kids are lying, you know? And, and finally, they, 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 they uh, how would they come? Right? It wasn't exactly clear who was guilty. I think they were both guilty. This one told me to do this, and I pushed this, and whatever, right? And uh, it's, it's amazing. You can, you can, you can, I mean, this is the cool thing about being a parent, is that you can teleport your, yourself back to when you were a child. And you, so you can see when they're lying, right? Because they're terrible at it. You, on the other hand, you've you've got this sort of uber skill because you were able to lie in such a way that your your parents, as again as you think, did weren't able to pick up on the shit that you were going through every single day. So you're actually even more attuned to, as you said, right? You you'd be very skeptical of of the the stories that your child would tell you coming back home. Do you, again, it's, it's so interesting because we have no choice but to look at the house that we grew up in and copy what we like and, and discard what we don't like. Sometimes actually we copy what we don't like as well when we actually see the value of it. But that's the reference point that you, you were, that you have, right? It's that this ultimate freedom that there was no disciplinary figure in your life. Are there other things that you sort of picked up on that? Um, I feel like being a parent that is more emotionally driven than logically. Yeah. What do you mean? I would say <coughs> that there there was a lot of love at, in my home. Yeah. And there was less like um, wanting for for the kids to be successful or to be like to have like good grades and and stuff like that and they just wanted for us to be happy in the end and not successful not necessarily successful and didn't push us to be such they sort of trusted that we'll be successful if we want to be and if we feel 
good and like and we want to be successful we will be and they didn't push us to to do something that we didn't want to do it's funny because in my household the roles were in that sense they were reversed my father never pushed us to study anything that we didn't want to study mm -hmm. he i think he i think he would agree with that he believes that people should do what they really like and are really passionate about whereas my mother was more i guess more conservative she was kind of she was always pushing us to to do well academically um she would get angry with us if if we um if we didn't do well in school um even now like she's she's she has this um I don't know, like this insistence on on um, how much are you saving money? You know, are you are you caring for your future? Are you you know, are you earning enough money in your job? Things like this, which again are completely valid concerns, right? Um, but it's just interesting that it it, it comes from it, it's a it's it's an inverse, right, from the actual not the actual but what what is traditionally known to most straight couples, so so straight families, um, families of. With straight parents, Jesus, there's too many fucking mind pills here. Yeah. Um, but you know that I'm, I'm coming from a good place, so it's fine. Um, but uh, do you, did your sister, you think your sister came out the same way as you, like with the same kind of um, respect or or appreciation, excuse me, for the way you grew up? Uh, yeah, I think. Okay. And I think she's even more grateful than I am in some Really? Ways. Because she felt more, more belonged mm. than, than I was. Okay. Because of her gender. Yeah. Is she also gay? She's bisexual. Bisexual. And she lives with her husband in Berlin. Okay. Yeah. Does she have kids? No, not yet. And I think it also reminds me of <coughs> a call to action that I really want to convince parents to do is to send their kids to therapy from really early early ages if they're not sure like how their childrens are feel like in their childhood or like in school or something and I think a few years ago I had this um, really crisis in in my life and started like going into therapy not because what I'm talking about now but more more because of like an event that happened and I started like seeing psychiatrists and, and stuff like that and can you share what it was or do you prefer not to talk about it's it? It's a, a family a family event that happened. Uh, and it was the first time that I saw like uh, a psychiatrist and he was sort of like he was homophobic and this therapist yeah 
Um, homophobic? Yeah. Yeah. And he... <coughs> he sort of claimed that all of the feelings that I was going through were because of the fact that I'm gay. Because of the fact that I was born to two moms. And I feel like for a person to... To, to be faced with this, I don't know, statement, with this lack of um, sensitivity could be really like a big thing that would crush his or her life. And then the psychiatrist also asked if uh, my sister has the same problem, problem as being gay or being not straight. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's also like w one of the reasons that I came to this therapy is because of like a, uh, a relationship that happened um, that I had but also something in the families that happened at the same time um, that if a homophobic person would listen to these things he would connect the dots and would say that you're feeling like that because you're yeah. homophobic. So, but even you yourself, you're not settled one way or the other, whether it's nature or nurture in terms of your sexuality. Yeah, but it's something that I, I should handle. I should. Sure. I, someone else, I don't, I don't need to hear someone else's opinion on this about that sure it's something that i need to to figure out myself also who gives a shit <laughs> you know there are people that would give a shit I, I suppose um you know that that's that's actually not fair because say say you're you were you were the case right that proved that you know that homosexuality isn't something that's natural which happens in other species like it's it's a common thing but let's just say uh, it's, it's this is all socially constructed i guess that would be a big deal for people who believe that homosexuality is a sin and all that stuff yeah um but you know <laughs> there's just so much evidence on the other side of that argument you know so yeah and i was just furious just Hearing this person's that views that should be like smart and educated. Yeah. Do you think if the problem is is because of the fact that I'm gay or because I was grew up in I grew up in a, in a gay family. But okay, let me let me try to be charitable to this this psychiatrist. Maybe he he hits such a sensitive. part of your existence that and he was just asking questions just, just, just like trying to search through your life to sort of piece together something and he and he asked a, a very provocative question and you viewed it through the lens of oh this guy's homophobic or, or do you actually think that this guy actually hates gay people like it, it could have just come out of curiosity like there are questions I'm sure that I asked if someone were inclined to believe that I don't like gay people, then they might think, ah, here's the proof. He doesn't like gay people. 
Whereas I just don't know. I don't, I don't know what the right questions are. I just ask whatever comes to mind. But again, I see you as human. And so we share a lot of things. And that's for me, that's all that matters. Right. Um, do you, do you think that though? I mean, could it be, could that be the case with this psychiatrist? Uh, it could be, but there were some sentences that, that I think it's really hard to think that he, he's not homophobic. Mm. Um, but I get your. I get your your like what you're trying to say here. Mm. Is, uh, yeah. So, but your your the point though that you were trying to make was that all parents should take their kids to therapy. Not not all all kids, but only the kids that are going through some. Yeah, things. Or, I would say that kids that grow up and in situations or environments that most of society doesn't get involved in. Yeah. Or they're special because of the environment that they grow in. Yeah. Should consider the consequences of how society would accept them and how these kids would feel about themselves about again like the self of belonging self of existence yeah and should have this consultation or this point of view from a professional that would either verify that they're okay or would identify some issues that would need to be solved over time through a conversation and would unravel things and I think it's not a responsibility that parents should take by themselves. They should involve someone else in this picture. So <clears throat> this thing that you said about feeling incomplete as you walk through the world, yeah. is that something that you articulated in your own mind? Or had you had so with sitting with someone, a psychiatrist, say... And that emerged out of your conversation. Um, I think it's something that emerged out of the conversation. Mm. Um, but it all made sense. And sure. it helped me reach this completeness. Or, or like some kind of self-understanding of yeah. what it is that I'm doing when I'm walking through the street and I'm looking at people's faces look at, but looking for something not just not just actually setting my eyes on them yeah but trying to extract pieces of myself in their faces yeah do you still do that yeah and I think like it's something that I would al always do wow yeah and uh No matter like how satisfied you are with the environment that you're growing in, yeah, you're always going to look for something to complete it. There's something though. There's something. 
I don't know, what is it like potentially dangerous about it? Not dangerous, but you know, at some point you just want to be satisfied with what you've got. No? Mm. Or am I looking at it in the wrong way? Um. I feel like the question should be like, if you're reaching to a point that life should treat you like, or you're supposed to feel like you're complete, are you really complete? Or you need to go backwards and to fill all their, all these gaps because you, the self of completeness is not true to yourself. And again, I'm, I'm, in this amazing phase of, of my life with amazing career, yeah. amazing partner, yeah, loving family, yeah. But I, I'm still not feeling complete because of myself, yeah, because of the way I, I was born, because of the way I grew up. I also, I think I, I may have, um, the, I mean the way. I think I might have stumbled into why that question, the way I, the question that I asked, asked you was, was, what's wrong with it is that, um, is the question in your mind like, am I, because you keep talking about belonging, right? Being having a sense of belonging, and if you don't know who the who, you, who the sperm donor was. But if you don't know who that person was, there's a piece of your story that's missing. And it is that story that is the missing link to the rest of humanity. Is that, is that a fair way of summarizing it? Um. Maybe, but it's also maintaining the curiosity. No, no, I, I, I was, I was trying to uh, put in other words why it is that you feel incomplete. incomplete. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I would say that's it's one of the reasons. One of the reasons. Okay, that's a big one. <laughs> yeah, one of the significant reasons. Yeah. So there are others that you, like, do you do you have these moments and you're just by yourself and and those thoughts arise again, and, and they just take different forms. So that's one of the forms that they take. Yeah. Are there others? There are others, but what what are those? Mm. It's just it's just so fascinating because I see a human being in front of me. And yet, you feel not all the way there to yourself, right? Yeah. I would say that this is sort of like the origin. Yeah. And then there are like sub, sub thoughts okay. that come from, from this not knowing what my history is and not knowing my. Not knowing how I, I came to this world. Uh, <laughs> Can I buy you a drink? 
But do you do you really though? I mean, look, we're having this conversation now. And do you do you share it very openly now? <clears throat> um, not enough. Yeah, because I have like this own own world and inside my yeah. I bet you though, if you did, that most. If not all people would be like very welcoming to hear your story, very interested, um, very helpful. I, I would like to believe. Yeah. Um, again, you 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 have a different sense of how good and bad people can be, but I do I do get the sense that people would be very drawn to hearing your your life like what what that what that must feel like because you know as i'm talking to you i'm i'm also framing my own life and my own like what i had with my parents and how i am with my kids um I mean, just the, the fact that you say that you have this this feeling of incompleteness is is weird to me um because again i mean i i, I I feel like I'm. We share so much in common. Yeah. But there's that one big piece, you know. That's like, oh, and I shouldn't take that for granted. I think is that's the point I'm, I'm I'm getting at. It's like, oh. I'm I'm very, what fortunate I suppose to, you what you view it differently, right? Where it's like you have this, this existential, question that you have to wrestle with, and out of that question comes, a deeper appreciation for life. Um, and I guess what's cool about talking to you is that I can just grasp it for, for what, two hours now that we're talking, you know, but you carry this every single day. Yeah. Every moment of your existence. Yeah. That's, uh, <coughs> it's a great thing, I think. Do you, um, okay, so what, what would, what would the things that, because we all have this list with our parents, the things that you wouldn't do with them. So you said one thing is you would beat the hell out of, you'd beat some kind of confession out of your kid to say, how was your day? No, 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 don't, don't give me the standard answer. So what else? Or just not insisting for for the kid to, to say anything, just maybe to direct him to a professional person. Yeah. That would. But how would you know it's time? Um, I feel like as soon as you introduce your, your, your kid to other kids <laughs> and, and they start to develop this rationale of like this vulnerability, mm. um, I think it's, a like as soon as they are able to talk and to express some things yeah do you do you ever think about um having more w women around i guess your i mean your, your moms are there your sister's there but having them play a big a big role in, in your kid's life i was like here's some maternal influence in in your life um 
I think I think like having this uh, support system around your kid is 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 really important and really yeah. I mean they'll they'll be there anyway because if you let's say if you have a baby in the house yeah you'll need some someone some experienced hands to tell you he's the baby's tired the baby's hungry change the diapers this is how you this is what we did when we you know potty trained you or whatever right yeah. I mean, you could read the stuff online but better to talk to someone who knows how the game works you yeah know? yeah um and also also like how amazing it would be for your kids to have <laughs> you know a relationship with grandmas right that's pretty cool so in any event they'll be there but i wonder i wonder what you think about that uh or, or if you've thought about that kind of stuff <coughs> i don't i don't think that i have uh yeah i have thought about it but i would totally want to to have my kids and like enjoy enjoy the, the same amount of love that i i received when i was a was a kid and <laughs> okay um it's a good place to end it no what do you think i think so <laughs> <laughs> so in the in the spirit of this conversation i, I guess um i want to say thank you for um taking the time to spend with me man it's um you've got a boyfriend you've got a job you've got other responsibilities and you're here with me so that means a lot thank you thank you for inviting me and for creating this space yeah why not yeah i appreciate it <laughs> um and then now, now this is gonna sound a little crass but i do have to i always forget but i should i shouldn't and that is to say thanks to Thanks to Google, really. No, this is this is free. <laughs> That's awesome. It's insane. So um, I'm really grateful that this this place exists. Um, all right, man. Let's wrap it up. Okay. Good talking to you. <laughs>